what has a Nobel Prize of Physics ever done for me? The discovery of the attosecond, fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second, revolutionary within the space of physics, Catalin Carrico and Drew Weissman. They are the 2023 Medicine Laureates. What do all of these Nobel Prize Laureates have in common? Welcome back to another episode of the Crossover Connections with Jack Wayne podcast. My name is Jack. I am not a physicist. This is probably the Nobel Prize I know the least about. But from my understanding, this is the shortest quantum of time known to humankind. There is a diagram that's on the Nobel Prize organization's website, which displays and tries to use a metaphor to highlight how quick an attosecond really is. As many attoseconds fit into one second, the second of a heartbeat, as how many heartbeats fit into the entire age of the universe. One over one with 18 zero seconds, so a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second. How does this relate to our eventual everyday lives? There's a long history of Nobel Prizes in physics that have had tremendous ripple effects throughout all of society. The ability to measure things that are happening in a very small fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second, an attosecond, that translates into things that are happening at the cellular level. It's not beyond the realm of imagination that one day your doctor, your GP will be able to do a test using a machine that's measuring subatomic events at the attosecond second level that is somehow either a predictor of disease or a very clear diagnosis of a disease. So that is one potential future application. But one way to predict the future, as I said before on the podcast, is to look into the past. This article on the ABC, what has a Nobel Prize of Physics ever done for me? The article runs through a number of key landmark breakthroughs that stem from a Nobel Prize in Physics, which again, in the moment, wasn't so apparent how valuable it would be. In 2007, the Physics Nobel Prize was awarded jointly to Peter Grunberg and Albert Foot for the discovery of giant magneto-resistance. In the 1980s, they were studying very thin layers of magnets and noticed that electricity flowed through the layers differently depending on the direction of the magnetic fields. And they made some very, very transcendent findings within their field at the time. And what they ultimately turned into are very thin portable computers. Instead of relying on hard disks made of a magnetic material, they were able to develop giant magneto-resistance, which then led to far more sensitive sensors, which made hard drives of computers much, much smaller, we wouldn't have laptops and smaller computing devices, perhaps the phone you're watching this podcast on right now, without that Nobel Prize from 2007 in physics. Another example of this is literally the discovery of light bulbs, the quote-unquote light bulb moment. In 1980, scientists realized LEDs light emitting diodes. They were able to make light more efficiently. And indeed, 1990s, after 30 years of cumulative work from all of these physicists, they were able to make LEDs in all the three colors necessary to generate a whole array of different colors, red, blue, and green. They received the Physics Nobel Prize in 2014. And to this day, we have all of the LEDs that are powering the lights in your home. They're way, way more efficient. They last longer than the old incandescent light bulbs. And this has been a tremendous boon, certainly for energy efficiency and hopefully climate resilience. So you can hopefully see a recurring theme here. The discoveries made by these Nobel Prize laureates, none of them happened in the year the Nobel Prize was awarded. They all happened seemingly at least 10, 20, 30 years ago. And it's no different for the Nobel Prize in Medicine and Physiology in 2023. Catalin Carrico and Drew Weissman. They are the 2023 Medicine Laureates mRNA vaccines. We found mRNA first before we knew about DNA. It was originally thought to be the first molecule that would be the genetic blueprint for all life. It is designed to carry a message from the DNA to the rest of the cell 
which then uses the mRNA to then translate that message into protein, and the mRNA is chewed up and, and spat out. People who were making vaccines thought surely mRNA is not good as a vehicle to carry an immune message that is designed to teach your body and teach your immune system how to defend against an infection over a long period of time. So the traditional vaccines have essentially been proteins or subunits of proteins that are more stable. They were able to modify mRNA. In this case, instead of the uridine base, they modified it with pseudouridine. That makes the mRNA much more stable as a vehicle and allows it to be that much more effective as a instigator of the immune response in a good vaccine. And certainly many, many different vaccines are coming out now, including vaccine against SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19. It has really impacted billions and billions of people. This is a tremendous breakthrough in our field of medicine. Now, looking at Nobel Prizes can be very inspiring and we can aspire to be all of these Nobel Prize laureates, but it also can be a bit demotivating because it can make you feel like the work that you're doing is not as valuable or maybe you'll never get to the point of these Nobel Prize laureates. What do all of these Nobel Prize laureates have in common? Almost without fail, without exception, A, very surprised and B, very humble about the enormity of this accomplishment. Many of us might aspire to win a Nobel Prize, but it's really out of our hands. We don't have any control over who sits on that Nobel Prize committee and whether our work will ever lead to that point. But if you go through and read the interviews of all of these people who've won Nobel Prizes, they will go through and tell you they have been through a lot of ups and downs. All of the discoveries they made that led to the Nobel Prize happened at least 10 years, 20 years ago. It's a long time waiting because the measure of value for any scientific discovery cannot be measured usually in a single year. It is the long game you're playing. You're not trying to win a Nobel Prize next year. You're trying to set up a career trajectory that puts you in position to be recognized for your work, whether it be through the Nobel Prize scheme or through other schemes. The other thing that many of these Nobel Prize laureates have in common, the work that they were able to collaborate with other on and the mentorship that they were able to provide and they will now even be able to provide on a bigger scale to up and coming scientists because they are very humble in the realization that their life's work may have led to the Nobel Prize but the Nobel Prize is an ever going thing just like scientific discovery. We need to set ourselves up so that the next generation of scientists has just as many opportunities to build on top of the work. Many of these Nobel Prize laureates talked about the people they hope to inspire and the mentors and mentees that they hope to be able to influence once they have won this Nobel Prize. This is basic research. I don't know. This was new. It was not expected and not predicted. The understanding took some time. It took several years. So it was very interesting to study and try to understand more. And then later on, many years later, look for applications and explore new things with it. Catalin Carrico, she made her discovery many, many years ago to little acclaim or fanfare at the time. This Nobel Prize winner was actually demoted four times at her old job. It was very unclear in any moment in time how valuable one discovery may truly be. And of course, they were responsible for making and pioneering the technology behind mRNA vaccines that made all of these subsequent efforts from Moderna, from Pfizer, to make those vaccines from mRNA much, much more stable and readily scalable to be delivered all across the world. And Kariga emphasized the positives 
behind the setbacks rather than the tragedies and really had to move forward. And indeed, this is how any scientist faces any discovery that they're making because we don't actually know what any of these discoveries will lead to in the future. All we can control is what's happening in the moment and the fact that our field of work, our research question is testable is validated, passed through peer review and published. That's all we can work on. And hopefully our discovery lets the next person use that information to make even more transcendent discoveries. And this is the other recurring theme out of the Nobel Prize laureates. They're also quite humble in the way that they are approaching this process of winning the award. Very excited, yes. But in the moment, they are not shouting from the rooftops, I told you so. They are acknowledging the broader field of science how hard it is to make innovation, acknowledging also the impact this work will have on others and the impact others' work has had on them. Another quote I really like from the Chemistry Nobel Prize laureate, Louis Bruce. It's a great honor and as recognition for the field. I have worked very hard, but at the same time, there are many scientists all over the world who have worked very hard on their subjects for their lifetime. 40 years ago that you first produced colloidal nanoparticles, it was the 1980s. So this again highlights the timeline, the long tail of innovation that needs to accumulate and compound for it to hopefully one day be recognized. To really make these transcendent breakthroughs, you have to collaborate with people, you have to mentor people, you have to be mentored by others. And this really hits on the idea that the soft skills, the communication skills, the collaborative skills, these were crucial for many, if not all of these Nobel Prize laureates to find success in their work. And that's something that you can take away, even if you're not a scientist, even if your area is not in the field of innovation and discovery, to make progress on the highest, most difficult to make level. At the end of the day, those soft skills, those communication skills still are just as important as the most brilliant intellect, the most technical chemical analysis. I'm Jack, hope to connect with you again in the next episode.